This is Jason Laird with Gateway Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it's an honor today to be on the show here with Creative Sheet Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Creative Sheet Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. That's what we do. My name's Jared Hogan. You just heard from a good friend, Roman Johnson. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. Hope you're enjoying listening to our voices so far. Yeah, you know, hey, if you're if you're listening right now and you enjoy the show, maybe jump over to iTunes, hit subscribe. We're also on Stitcher, uh, Stitcher Radio. It's Make all sure the rage right now. It is Stitcher. all the rage. Uh, make sure to uh, subscribe. Uh, Roman, I know you were telling me. Yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll download uh, certain like episodes from podcasts, and I will think that I'm subscribed, but I'm actually not. I just downloaded an episode. So if you want to be updated when we release new episodes every other Monday or so. Twice a month, twice, yeah. Twice a month. Uh Definitely hit that subscribe button and maybe drop us a review on iTunes. That would help us out a lot. We'd really appreciate it. And you're not going to miss out. Yeah, we'd love for you to be a part of the uh, creative sheep flock, if you will. <laughs> we, that's not, <laughs> but, we didn't previously decide that you, no, uh, you guys would be called flocks. No, not at all. <laughs> maybe uh, creative sheep nation. Maybe, maybe creative, creative sheep, sheep crew. Na- Creative Sheep Crew, creative that's sheep better. Creative Sheep Crew, yeah, a little hip-hop edge. Let's go with the Creative Sheep Crew. If you want to be a part of the Creative Sheep Crew, uh, join us there. And, and seriously, we've had some amazing guests on the show. Uh, in fact, our last episode was with Carrie Newhoff. Oh, uh, it was awesome. It was yeah. incredible. Um, and I would encourage you to listen to his podcast. It's such a great show. We've had uh, Lee Cockrell on the show, Shannon O'Dell. Um, we've got some amazing interviews still lined up for the rest of the year and coming up in 2016. Some really good shows. And the next episode, that you don't want to miss out on later this month is with Dino Rizzo. Ooh. The executive. Servolution. Yeah, Servolution, the, the the author of that book, uh, the guy who his whole, he's been all about serving and building churches through serving people, which is a novel idea. It's incredible. But he is the executive director of ARC, the Association of Related Churches, a, a huge church planning uh, initiative that's going on throughout the country. It's just incredible. Um, and he he oversees all of the outreach at uh, Church of the Highlands in Alabama under Pastor Chris Hodges. He's a, he's a busy fellow. Um, and so he's going to be on the show next. Uh, but today, we've got a really great show for you. Today, we are joined with Jason Laird. That's right. And uh, Jason Laird, his... his uh... He's with youth. Yeah, and he is the executive director of students at uh, Gateway Church, yeah. uh, Pastor Robert Morris's church in uh, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, um, pretty close, kind of close to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Not where, far away. Where we're currently residing. Yeah, not far away. But yeah, you're right. He got his start in youth. Uh, he was uh, he was actually he was the youth pastor at Dino Rizzo's church. Oh, well, um, connections. Yeah, yeah, healing connected. place for quite a while. Uh, oversaw 12 campuses there with the student ministry and then is now at Gateway, has five campuses, huge team. He's going to get into all this. I don't need to get into it all for you. Uh, but uh, just want to let you guys know, Roman, that this is actually where you and I got our start was it in is. Youth, youth uh, ministry. This is, we, you and I, uh, we actually met we because did. we were both on, a, on staff at a youth ministry. It's it's true. We both worked at uh, the youth ministry of Church on the Move. It's known as 180. That's right. Um, and uh, I was I actually interned in, in 180 for two years, um, and then you did the same. And when you were interning, I was working in the college ministry at the time. That's right. Um, and and our, our friendship was born out of rap videos. Yeah. Uh, in case you don't know, we will intermittently create rap videos <laughs> with either one of us Typically me rapping. Typically you, you rapping. You, in the early days, you did some rapping well, as well, and it was good. Well, I'm not gonna. You you, you sell yourself short sometimes <laughs> in the hip hop world, but uh, yeah. So we made some fun rap videos for our, you know, 180, and 
that's how we kind of got our start into making, you know, cool stuff for the church. Yeah. I've been told that I am the white version of Eminem. Mm, I don't know if I... <laughs> wait. Wait a second. <laughs> he, he, he is white. Well, yeah, I guess uh, so. I, I could see that, though. Yeah. What would I be? The, the white version of Jay-Z. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got our start in, in youth ministry. Uh, we we're actually talking earlier today. You've been in ministry now for seven years. That's right, kids. Seven years. <laughs> Grandpa Roman here and uh, great grandpa Jared. Uh, I've been in ministry for 17 years now. That's crazy. It, it makes you sound like day. you're like 50 years old. I know, not. I'm not. You guys can't see him, but he has a cherubic face that is. Uh, the heck does that even mean? <laughs> it's like a cherub, like an angel. <laughs> I think I'm offended. <laughs> oh, we have fun here at the yeah. Christian Podcast. Anyways, uh, man, we just we we both have a big heart for the church. We we both strongly believe the local church is the hope of the world, um, which is why we're doing this podcast. We really want to help leaders get better at what they do. It's why we talk to these people that are so good at what they do. Um, and I think with with, with uh, enough of this, let's get to the interview with Jason Laird. Let's kick it off. Jason, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, can't can't thank you enough for giving up your time. Oh man, it's an honor to get to be on the show today with you guys and talk shop a little bit. I love talking church, talking ministry, leadership. So, gonna have a good time. Fantastic. So, w- give us a little backstory here. You're you're now obviously the the uh, I believe the title I've seen of you is the executive pastor over the student ministry at Gateway Church. Uh, yep. How did you land in this role, and how long have you been there? Kind of what all what all roads led to this? Yeah, I actually I'm originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I served where I was at a church called Healing Place Church. Uh, lead pastors were Dino and Delin Rizzo, and I was there for probably about 15 years, served on staff for roughly 11 years, and there, uh, the whole time I served the student ministry. So I, I started out, I actually started out volunteering in the in worship at a junior high ministry within the church, and they fired me from the job because I was so bad at leading worship. Oh, man. So that, so that lasted for about two months as volunteering, and then they said, hey, why don't you serve in the high school ministry? So I started serving the high school ministry, picking up chairs, stacking chairs, doing all that. And then that grew into some responsibilities, doing campus ministry, and became the high school pastor, then took over both junior high and high school at our main campus, and became the, uh, the executive student pastor overseeing youth and young adults for all 12 of the campuses there. And, um, and served there at Healing Place for probably 11, 11 or so years. And, uh, and then in 2012, in the summer of 2012, started feeling like a transition was, was happening in, in my heart and my wife's heart. And so over the next year, we prayed about what our next season would be. And, uh, and then just uh, one thing led to another, and our, we had relationships with Gateway Church. And uh, it just really felt like the Lord was leading us to come up and be a part of the team in any way possible at Gateway Church and just really just come and contribute a little bit, but really come and learn a lot. That was our heart. That was the goal. And so we uh, we accepted a position, or I accepted a position at Gateway Church in August of 2013 uh, to come and be a part of, really they were launching a new, a, a new model of ministry with the student ministry. Uh, up until that point, the student ministry had, had kind of been up and down at different seasons, but it really was in a place where at, the, at that time, they really felt like a, a change needed to happen, and so they restructured and uh, came up with a new model and, and came on the scene there, and, and just 
started out as an associate uh, as an associate campus pastor and part of the teaching team. And, and over the course of nine months, my role changed from associate pastor to uh, overseeing our campus pastors and, and playing a role with some of the creative stuff and communicating. And then it, one thing led to another, and I ended up becoming the executive pastor, overseeing all of the student ministries. Um, so it's been a it's been an interesting journey, but it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Wow. That's an incredible story. So you've you've actually only been at Gateway for about is it two years now? A little over two years. August uh, August of 2013 is whenever I came uh, came on staff there. That's incredible. So you you came in. You said as an assistant student pastor, and now you're over basically the entire student ministry of of Gateway. That's a that's a pretty incredible rise, <laughs> fairly quickly even. Yeah, it's you know the, my role at Healing Place was. Um, those years as the executive was overseeing 12 campuses and communicating a lot on the weekend and traveling quite a bit. And, uh, and then when the transition, when we begin to transition, what we felt in the heart was church planning. Um, what we put on our heart was church planning, but we decided, Hey, you know what? We want to broaden our scope of ministry a little bit and learn a little bit more. And, uh, and then try to be a blessing to another church. And that church felt like the gateway and the role really coming in, one of the reasons why we accepted the role was it seemed like it, was, it wasn't it was too much responsibility. It still allowed me to travel a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and, and la- allowed me to spend some time with family during that interim season before we planted, went to plant a church. And so really I had no no ambition on like taking the lead role with the student ministry at all. Matter of fact, it was communicated to the team on the front end whenever I accepted the job, hey, Jason's going to preach twice a month in this new model and he's going to serve uh, as an associate campus pastor at this particular campus, and uh, and we're just glad he's part of the team. And I kind of said the same thing. I'm I'm glad we get to be here and serve on a just play one play you know a, a small role on a big team. And uh, that was our that that was it, man. I just was like, hey, this is going to be a great time just to to learn from this great church. I learned from Pastor Robert and the team there, and um, but yeah, I had no ambition on. Uh, of like stepping into the lead role at all and just I guess one thing led to another and then God just began to give me favor and open up some doors and, uh, and 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 we said yeah I said yeah man let's let's do it let's take a go for it and and try to lead this thing um, and make it better and brighter and so yeah very cool that's awesome man congratulations on the success there with with what you said at Healing Place, you were over twelve campuses. Um, what what's the setup at, at Gateway? How many campuses does that encompass with the role that you have now? So we have we have five campuses uh, currently at Gateway. With you know, Pastor Robert has a vision to really have about thirty campuses in the Dallas Fort Worth wow. region kind of area. Um, so um, we have a couple, I think two or three that are on on kind of coming down the pipe right now that. Probably over the next year or so, we're going to end up launching. Um, but currently, we're we're at five different locations. All of the all the locations are about twenty to thirty minutes apart. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool, very cool. So, with your role, you're the executive executive pastor of students, uh, student ministry. Uh, what exactly does that look like? What's your what's your team structure? How is that How is that set up? Yeah, so we um, we essentially we're one ministry in five locations. Organizationally, the way that that looks is we have a centralized mo- centralized and campus model to where underneath that umbrella of our student ministry, there's one side of the team uh, is a central team that essentially creates all of the ministry, the structure, the system. Um, what, what I like to say all the time is that central team works uh, on the ministry, 
while the campuses work in the ministry. Mm. So the central team, the central team uh, is really a part of uh, the creation of ministry and the creation of the systems, um, the things that we implement, and then at the campus level is executing uh, what's been created by the central team. And it's not at the campus level; it's, it's not only executing um, what's been created, but it's really that becomes the floor for ministry for the campuses, not the ceiling. And so it's the foundation that the campuses build their ministry upon. So it essentially helps us with standard, having some type of standardized um, quality content uh, management throughout uh, the organization so that there's continuity. It's essentially it's a franchise-type model yeah. uh, to where at every campus we, we know that the families, the constituents that we're serving, that at every campus they're going to be getting a quality, and I hate to even use the word product, but, but you know what I'm saying. Like oh, totally. Like a quality experience, quality um, you know, um, opportunity to be able to connect. Uh, with the church, and so um, we we look at at from Central. We look at every every area of the ministry from the moment a student walks on campus as a first time guest, uh, from um, their first impressions to their guest experience to a regular attender from worship. Every aspect of it, um, there's some type of level of of standardization that that happens from the branding to the worship experience. All of it, so that at any moment a student can go to any campus and they're having the same quality experience. So within that staffing structure, there's 26 staff, um, me being the executive, the visionary leader um, behind the ministry, overseeing both the central um, aspect and um, the campus aspect of it. Um, and then within it, with the five campuses, there are five campus youth pastors, and their staffing footprint is the same at every campus. So there's mm. a campus pastor. Uh, a ministry coordinator over leaders and groups, and then there's an administrative assistant to provide support. So, so all five campuses, again, there's the standardization. That they have the same staffing footprint, the same type of quality environment, the same type of quality budget, so that ministry can be produced at a high level at every area, um, at every campus that we have. And then at a central level, um, that the central the central level, really, it's an ebb and flow, like, for the last two years, we've been in a stage where we've relaunched this ministry, and so it's been essentially 1.0 of our ministry. Mm-hmm. And so the staffing structure has been, there's a ministry coordinator that is over leaders and groups. There's a um, there's a, a, a associate director over our, all of our events, and an administrative assistant underneath that person. I'm the executive pastor. I have a coordinator that helps me with bringing oversight to everything, and then there's a um, gateway students pastor that oversees the central team. And so, since we're in the 1.0 stage, there is uh, and we have a, a couple of designers as well that do some of the media stuff. But uh, since we've been in the 1.0 stage, that's been the current structure. But as we move into 2.0, we're two years in, so we're moving into the 2.0 season where we're reshaping a few things, building upon what we've already the foundation we've already laid. And so we'll restructure a little bit based on some new initiatives that we have. So we'll bring on another ministry coordinator to help with expanding our group, the way that we have, the way that we do groups. We're expanding on the way that we do our leadership. And so we'll transition a role there. And so there is a, the, the continuity of or the consistency of the organizational structures that the roles are, the titles are the same and some of the scope of responsibility is the same, but depending on the initiatives that we have during a season, that role may shift and change just a little bit. Sure. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, 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 for sure. So in this, you said there's 26 staff. Um, how many direct reports do you have in this? So my, I have four direct reports 
organizationally, like within our entire organization, we try uh, to keep the span of care with oversight, direct reports under five. Hmm. Like we would, we would probably say that a healthy, healthy number would be three to five direct reports directly reporting to you. Reason being is because within our organization, um, we uh, kind of like Peter Drucker from Executive, the Executive, the Effective, what is it called, the Executive Leadership or Effective Executive Leader, something like that. His book says that. Um, and of course, it isn't a Christian book, but it's a great leadership book. Mm-hmm. And he, he says that um, to properly oversee and manage, and de- not just manage, but develop a leader, um, you should have one-on-one time, face-to-face, for one hour, once a week with oh, that wow. person. And so for us, we have this relational oversight culture within our organization where if you oversee someone, if you're really going to bring oversight to them, pastor them, lead them, manage them, and develop them, for us, we, we really feel like, at least for our organization, the healthy model is for, for you to meet once a week for one hour with that person that you oversee. And so for me, um, the four, well, the five people that I'm overseeing, um, I meet with them once a week. Um, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about schedule a little bit in, the, in, in, in a few minutes, but at least for this, um, I, I meet once a week with them. And a portion of that meeting is strictly relational and pastoral, and then a portion of it towards the end is managerial as it relates to projects, assignments, where we're at with a calendar and things like that. But that's every single week. So if you were to look at the, the entire organizational chart, you would see that every person from top to bottom is having that, and they're not hmm. they're not reporting. There's not more than five reports reporting to that individual. Very cool. Very, very cool. So try to break down spans of care. Yeah. So uh, let's jump into some of the stuff that you guys do in your youth ministry. Um, if you could pin it down, and, and I'm sure there's more than this, but if you could say these are two or three things that we've done, that like these are the things, these are like the pillars, these are the things that you need to be doing in youth ministry. These are the things that have really produced, uh, to, I guess to get all Christian-y, the most fruit uh, for us. What would you say a couple of those things are for you at, at Gateway and even back to your days at Healing Place? And, you know, it's so funny. It's everything, things have changed, but everything's the same. You know what I mean? Like in the last 15, 20 years, and even before I was in ministry, youth ministry, and I was just a youth at a youth ministry. Yeah, a lot of stuff has changed culturally. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of things have, have, have changed with technology and things like that. But what I found is there's, there's essentially, it's, it's all the same, man, that students are just craving uh, affirmation. They're craving um, for for leaders to speak into their life, to be there for them. They're they're craving authentic friendship and relationship with each other. Uh, they're hungry for truth in a, in a in a culture where relativism is so prevalent. They're they're actually really hungry for truth. Um, they're they're longing for the presence of God to be very tangible in their life. Um, so, like, all those things have been around forever. So for us, at Gateway specifically, um, we we really value, we say this all the time, we build our ministry with no gimmicks. We, mm. we don't want to, we don't, even though we have, you know, we're, our church is probably known to be one of the one of the wealthiest and most generous churches probably in America. And even though we do, ha- we are rich in resource that we could probably do giveaways every week and, and you know, all those kind of things, we just found that, man, uh, it's really, that's not a sustainable and even healthy way to build your ministry on gimmicky things like that. Like, we're gonna, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing giveaways or do special events uh, to kind of 
be a little catalyst for getting some new people there. But we just try to build our ministry on things that are sustainable, that are doable, that are reproducible, that are scalable. And and those things for us, as we look at the Bible, even even going back to uh, to Acts two forty two to forty seven, you just see that man, what the church was built on was it was built on authentic fellowship. Mm. And, and not to use too church of a word, but fellowship that koinonia, that whole whole like people actually really knew each other. Uh, they didn't just show up once a week and just kind of were familiar strangers in a room, but they they actually they had a relationship with each other to the point where they would express their needs to one another. And so we try to create and foster an environment where students are actually known by each other and known by the leadership and to the point where they're, they feel so, um, they, feel, they feel like they can trust enough to share their vulnerabilities, their weaknesses, their needs. And so we try to foster environments like that. Um, we just really believe that if a student feels connected and feels known, known um, that even trumps programming sometimes. And, and so we really want students to feel that, to feel like there's authentic friendship and relationships happening. We really value the presence of God. You know, we, we do want to be creative and we do want to be relevant and all those things, but we just found that the presence of God is the most relevant thing for people, especially people that, that, that are hungry and thirsty for something more than this, the world's given them. And so we value during times of worship, the, the 15 to 20 minutes. We really, man, we're not trying to play some cool, that's on the radio we have songwriters that are writing songs with good theology with good melody and it's entering students into the presence of god because we believe that's what change real transformation begins to happen so we value that we value we value not preaching sermonettes but preaching the word of god and teaching doctrine and so our students man our students say and, and this is the culture of gateway church because pastor robert such a bible teacher like you you can go in when it's teaching and preaching you can go in and you can go to a, to a place where maybe some some youth pastors or youth ministers may not feel comfortable to go, like maybe it's going to be over their students' heads. What we have found is our students, if you go, if you're just telling stories, if it's a bunch of fluffy type stuff, they will call you out on that mm. because they they want teaching, they want doctrine, they want to learn. And so, man, we build it on teaching doctrine, building the word of God, uh, preaching the word of God. We build it on the presence of God. We do try to have fun. We think that students do want fun. So there's all those things that we we try to do. Um, but man, the biggest thing I tell you is we just try to say, hey, we're not building this thing on gimmicks because gimmicks are not sustainable. And I think that's a scalable thing, not just for a church that's a big church, like maybe our church, but that's probably good news for the guy that's pastoring fifty kids with no budget. Yep. Because a lot of times he feels like I gotta I gotta do iPad giveaways and giveaways from Jordan tonight and we gotta bring in some person. No, no, no. That's not sustainable. That's not even doable for you right now, but that's definitely not sustainable. But if you could build your ministry with no gimmicks, I build it on the gospel, build it on, the, on Jesus, build it on the presence of God, the Word of God, build it on those types of things, then I think that, I think that uh, man, you can build something that's, that's durable, that will last, that's sustainable. And so that's what we try to do, man. We just try to build it on things like that. I'm, I'm standing up in the studio, studio right now waving my hanky. Just just wanting yeah. to scream, preach, preacher. <laughs> I'm naturally That's... a preacher, man. I, I'm, I'm just. I grew up. I grew up in a uh, when I was really young. I grew up in a in a 99% African American church. My family. My dad was a pastor, so we're like the white family in, in a black church, <laughs> and that's like deep within me, you know. I, yeah. And then and then I grew up in the South as well, and so uh, so you know. So I'm, I got a little I got a little preach on me sometimes. I can get preachy. <laughs> Would you say you grew up in the dirty South? 
I grew up in the dirty South, man. I grew up in <laughs> Baton Rouge, Louisiana, right outside of New Orleans. Yes. Listen to how I even say it. I don't even say New Orleans. <laughs> I say New, New Orleans. I can't even, it just rolls. That's amazing. I, I have to ask. Uh, I, I've heard you. I've heard you preach, and, and even in prepping for this interview, digging to find some stuff that you've done. Um, you definitely have the the dirty South twang when you when you get your when you get to preaching and that kind of thing. Uh, what is your What is your go to style of music for yourself personally? Oh man, my go to style. I I'm pretty eclectic, man. Like if you were to look at my audio account. Uh, I would, you know, I, I, I love worship, obviously. I'm a pastor, sure. so I love worship and those things. I love Song, I love Bethel. I even love our church, Gateway Church. And, 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 and so I love all that. love worship, obviously. So it's like I, like I have to say that. <laughs> but I also, man, I really, I, I like, um, I like everything. I, I, I like, I like everything from hip hop, rap, to I like indie type stuff. Um, I, I can even still get down with a little folk type stuff. So I like yeah. all kinds of things, man. I, I, I like to, I like to listen to everything. I like to not get pigeonholed and boxed into just one genre. Sure. Um, the only thing that I can't get down with yet, man, and I know I live in Texas, but I just can't get down with, with too much country. I like some old school country, like some old, like Garth Brooks from back in the day. Yeah. But I, but I can't, I can't get down with country that much. And so some of the boys at the office, they make fun of me. They're like, man, you got to listen to this. Real music. I'm like that ain't real music, man. I the press after I listen to that. I hear you. I hear you. I, I I was curious. I, I respect your your stance on country music. So for all the country country folks out there, uh, uh, you're you're gonna want to turn off on this next little bit here. But yeah, country is just the worst. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned Garth Brooks. He's one of the few country artists I can actually stand. Um, yep. And you actually, being in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you actually run into Garth Brooks from time to time. He lives just wow. outside of Tulsa. Um, and so, or, or he did, he might've moved, I'm not sure. But I, where I was going with that was, I, I wondered if, if hip hop and rap ranked high for you, uh, just in hearing you preach and that kind of thing, it, there's, there feels to be a, a pretty strong hip hop undertone to you. Yeah, I do, man. I really, I do really like a lot of hip hop. I like the you know, I, I, the, if you take the Clifton Strength Finder test, communications like in my top five, and not just like from a preaching standpoint, but like I, I think about the words, the way that people piece together words and thread together things. And so I think with hip hop, sometimes the way that um, the words are, are just the wordsmith, the wordsmithing of, of, of that just like really is appealing to me and attractional, yeah. but also like just the vibe and like the, the beats and stuff. Like I just, I really love it, you know? So. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, so back back to ministry here. Uh, when you say I, you mentioned a moment ago, groups. Um, I'm assuming you're referring to small groups or, or something of that nature. What what does that look like in the context of Gateway? How how do you do you all do uh, small groups? Kind of in a nutshell version. Is it on site, off site, uh, student leaders, adult leaders? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, so basically. Like I said, we, we uh, I probably have to give you a little bit of context before I even answer that, but, but before I came on staff here, the, like I said, the ministry was, um, it was kind of declining there, the youth ministry, and, and, and a change needed to happen, or, or I should say it was plateaued, rather. And so this new model was launched where um, where it's, everything was centralized, standardized, even the pre, like 
live worship and everything was live at a campus, but the preaching was streamed from one campus into the other campuses. And so everything was like, we dialed everything back from the way that we were doing it um, to, to say, hey, we're only going to do about three or four things and try to get to where we can do those things really well. And, and, and in a place that, and I hate to say in a controlled environment, but almost like the way that you, uh, you know, you do controlled experience, uh, experiments, um, where, you know, you can kind of monitor the prototyping and stuff. And so groups was really one of those things where we said, you know what, we're not going to do groups outside of service. Not that we don't believe in them or buy into them, uh, but we just want to try to bring it all in, train our leaders. But we also want to make sure the students are connected. So we're going to do small groups post-service on Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. So essentially our service is about 70, 75 minutes long. Uh, Worship, preaching, ministry time, altar at the end, and then we'll go into groups afterwards. And and for us, we even changed the goal for groups for these first two years. The goal for groups was actually not discipleship. The goal for groups was connection. Mm. And we know that that connection eventually will lead to discipleship, but for us, we said we only have 20 20 to 30 minutes to do these groups, to build relationships, we want to take something this big and make it small. And so um, so we essentially, the way that we do them for right now, now, and this is one of the changes, and maybe we can talk about those changes in a few minutes, but the way that we've done them for the last few years is is essentially right whenever the service is over, the altar's over, the, the campus pastor comes up, and he, as he's wrapping up the service, gives a few closing announcements, and he says, we're, we're about to go into a time of small groups, small group, here at Gateway Students, small groups are a big deal. Say that every week. Small groups are a big deal. Um, and the way that we do small groups is immediately after service here, all around the perimeter of the room, you'll see some of our trained leaders that will be holding up a giant, huge card uh, that's either pink or blue, and there's a number on it that cor- uh, correlates with, with grades. And so just find uh, a card that matches your grade and your gender, and head to that group, and uh, we're going to process the talk that you just heard tonight. And so, yeah, so all across the DFW area, we have essentially 99% participation in groups. It is it is optional. You don't have to go to it, but pretty much every student goes to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a little bit of a conversation, at, or a little bit of an icebreaker at the beginning that the leader leads with uh, with the students, and then they just begin to process the sermon that they heard. And, and the goal is not for the leader to, to teach, uh, but the goal is for them to facilitate, facilitate discussion with the student and to help them connect with each other and connect with uh, with them as leaders. And, and and essentially, one of the things that we say is is every week is, hey, uh, you know, if you're if you're new here, um, you know, we have we have a, a first time guest party for you. So they don't actually go to the group. They go to the first-time guest party. But if you're a regular here, just go to your normal group that you normally go to. And so pretty much every single student goes to the same exact group every single week, and a great conversation happens. So we've done that for the last two years. And uh, we've done that for the last two years. And um, sorry, we're, we're, we've done it for the last couple of years. And, and we've really – it's been healthy for us. It's been really good for us. Um, but we just really felt like, hey, we want to we want to we want to expand our reach a little bit more into the community, and we want to have more time to to spend with students, uh, and and we want to create more opportunity for leaders to be to, to essentially be like almost like pastors and shepherds mm-hmm. within the community, and then in addition to that we want to engage the parents, and so um, right now we're in the process of uh, of creating. Um, 
these groups called city groups. Uh, we don't really know what all the names are yet, but we're in the process of, of really moving our groups to outside in the community on one night of the week, on Sunday night probably, and um, there'll be these city groups. There'll be co-ed groups broken down by, um, not by grade, but by either varsity or junior, junior varsity or high school or uh, junior high. And uh, there'll be, and when I say city groups, it's more than just a small group. It's actually large gatherings a large gathering of a small, of essentially um, like 50, 60 kids that will gather at one location, one house, and they'll break up in smaller groups within that gathering. Wow. Um, so we're, we're looking into doing that right now. We have, we have some friends that are, that are doing that in our area. It seems to be working really well. And then we have this friend uh, over at Church of the Highlands, Mark Pettis. They do something very similar to that as well. And so we're really looking at, at not, not totally demolishing the smartest that we do, but uh, building upon, again, just expanding and building upon what we're currently doing. There's a scripture that we felt like God gave to us uh, earlier this year, I think it's Isaiah 54, that says um, it says uh, to, to enlarge your, your house, to build an addition on what you currently have because you're about to be bursting at the seams. And we really felt like God said, hey, you've got a great foundation, this 1.0, but now it's time to make additions, to add some rooms onto this house because more growth. There's more things I want to do. I want to add to the family that you guys are building, and so this this feels like the next step for us. Um, so that's where we're at right now with groups. Man, that's really cool. So, do small groups then take place with this this uh, the city group model that you're you're talking about? Uh, would that be in addition to the your Wednesday night service? You know, we're looking. The thing we've been talking about is this: is, is that the, the 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 big decision is would it completely take the place of the Wednesday night groups or, and, and we're, we're kind of on the fence with this. We're, we're discussing it right now. We're going to, we don't want to just make a decision. We want to study a couple of the models um, because our value is we want to, we always want to be students of other ministries. We don't want to be experts. We want to be able to learn from, the, from another church down the street. It doesn't matter how big or how small they are. And so we want to study some other churches, but one of the things that we're leaning towards is probably still doing uh, junior high groups. Uh, on Wednesday night, offering that to them um, in the same model that we currently have, but only offered to junior high students, which essentially is like groups on training wheels, which is which is what uh, New Spring does with Radke for those guys. And so we have a good relationship with them, and we've learned a lot from them. Um, but the junior high would, would, would essentially still have groups, uh, but high school would not, and high school groups would be outside um, at the city groups. So we're really look, leaning towards that and looking towards that. You know, we really just don't know yet. We're we're looking at the timeline of when we're going to launch it. We're we're thinking about doing some pilot type stuff um, next year, a few times, and then in the fall. So, like a, essentially a year from now is when we'll go. We'll launch our entire campaign. So we don't we don't rush things at Gateway. We we just feel like you know we want to do things with excellence. Um, we want to do things that are healthy. We're a cruise ship, not a speedboat, so we don't want to jerk the wheel. Um, and um, and things are going really good right now, but we just know, like the whole Jim Collins thing, good to great, is that you don't want to wait till you get on the other side of the peak. You want to change before you have to. And so we just feel like right now we're we're seeing such great momentum, such great growth. Uh, and, and, yeah, there's a side that's like what you're doing is working, but we also want to be ahead of the curve and ahead of the peak and say, what changes do we need to make right now to get us to the next peak? And so... Um, 
You've mentioned several times about things working, knowing if something's working. Uh, do you have some sort of dashboard or some metrics or something that you look at to gauge whether something is working or not? Yeah, you know, we, we have, uh, and gosh, I'm, I'm probably going to, I'll, I'll mess them up. if I, I'll probably forget some of them, but we definitely, we, we use church metrics from, from uh, Life Church yeah. and what they, they have. So we use that to plug in our, our numbers. Which, we're, folks, we're looking at that. by the way, that is completely free. If you go to churchmetrics.com, uh, completely free tool, incredible tool uh, yeah, for you to, to, to plug in and create your own dashboard. I had no idea you were using that. That's incredible. Uh, I actually just started using that with what I'm doing. But uh, but nonetheless, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But folks, if you if you are looking for something as a dashboard, as, as Jason is describing this, this is a 100% free tool that LifeChurch provides, churchmetrics.com. Uh, go ahead, Jason. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing tool. We we essentially were just using an Excel spreadsheet and we're tracking, you know, attendance and things like that. And 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 we just said, man, there's got to be a better way. And and, and um, I'm good friends with a lot of the guys over there at, at Life Church, and so we found out about that. And so we we just said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take this and we're gonna run with it. And so we created our own dashboard and we we track the same thing that probably everybody tracks. You know, we we track uh, or we track uh, the overall attendance at every campus. Um, for the students, we we track um, volunteers, we track small group leaders, first time guests, salvation, um, recommitment, um, those that have come down just for prayer, which we do alter every every week. So we we track that. That's another important one for us. Um, we also, whenever every every Thursday, we pull up our um, pull up our metrics for that week, and then we also pull up our annual metrics. And we so we we can look at those trends and see percentage wise where we're up, where we're down, and it highlights you know where there's some red. And so we try to we just have conversations around that. We just measure it. We feel like you can't um, you can't expect what you don't inspect, right? You can't. You yeah. have to measure things, and you have to know where where it's lighting up to be able to check on it. And so we just look at that. If there's one of our campuses that looks like the leaders have been down. Um, if, if there's a pattern, there's a trend, and there's been this dip, then we just start talking to the ministry coordinator at that campus and say, hey, let's, talk, let's process this. And so we try to track those, this stuff like that. Um, we track, uh, we don't use church metrics. I don't believe this is on church metrics. Maybe it is. But we track how many schools each campus pastor and their campus team is at for that week, mm. seven-day period. Um, and, a, and a visit to a school is different for every, every school is different for us in my area. So one, it may be going and speaking at a school Christian club, like an SBA. For others, it may be just going and, and doing lunch with students. For others, it may be going and doing an outreach on the campus to the administrative staff. Uh, essentially, we just measure how many times in the course of seven days have you visited schools and what schools were they. So we, we track stuff like that. That's some of the big, big things. And obviously, with all of the same thing with all of our, any of our events, uh, in our internship numbers are a really important thing to us. Um, you know, I know that there's a season where everybody's really spiritual says numbers don't matter. And, you know, I love what Ed Young said years ago. He said, we, we count people because people count. So we, we think it's not the only metric and not the only indicator, but it, it sure is a, a pretty good one. And the other thing is just uh, another big, big metric for us or another big measuring thing is, is not numbers, but it's atmosphere and culture. And that's the hard one, right? You know, there's not really a, there's, there's not a, 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 an app or a software out there that can do that, but you just know it. You know, you, you can walk into uh, a meeting at a campus, you can walk into uh, an environment and experience and, 
and I believe in, as my role and, and, and some, even some of the central's role is their responsibility is to walk in and, and to say, okay, kind of, kind of lick the index finger, put it up in the air like you're, you're gauging the wind, you know, and mm-hmm. say, okay, what is, what is, what am, what am I feeling here? What am I sensing here? Um, what am I seeing here? And that comes down to the values of the values being expressed that should be expressed here. Is the culture healthy? Um, asking questions with the leaders, walking slowly through the room and trying to just gauge, does this feel like us? Does this look like like us? Is, are we getting what we're going for? Is this just gauging those things? And that's a, that's a really tricky one. That's a hard one. But I think that, that there's, there's, um, there has to be intuitive leaders on your team where they can walk in, they can feel that and sense it. And you just know this doesn't feel right. And, you, and, and I don't even know how to tell you how to address it other than you just got to have candid conversations. Mm-hmm. So we try to gauge things like that as well. Speaking of, I love what you said there at the end, the, the importance of having candid conversations. How important is candor to you in, in what you do with your team? It's king. Everything. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just think, man, you got to have a feedback culture. You got to have a culture where people are not so emotionally attached to things that they can't make the tough decisions because every great leader that I know, they have tough conversations, they ask tough questions, and they make tough decisions. And if you, the moment you as a leader or as a ministry lose the ability to have tough conversations, tough questions, and make tough decisions, then that's when you begin to decline, you begin to die as a ministry and as a leader. And so for us, that's a big value to us. And a system that we have in place for that, there's multiple, but one is that relational oversight meeting that happens. And that, that's where you, I, I tell you all the time, in that meeting with, specifically for me, with the people that I oversee, there's four things that I go through in my mind, like men, mental check boxes or check blocks. And the first one is care. And I ask questions to that person about things that, that they probably care about. And I want to communicate the message to them indirectly that I care about what you care about. So there's that little box where I ask questions about their family and their health and things like that. But the next one is, uh, is, is correct or confront. It's a box that I check off every seven days. And I, and I don't necessarily have to ask a question or confront an issue, but I at least check that box off in my mind uh, to illustrate it. I would say like just with one person overseas, Sky Bryan, I would ask myself subconscious or mentally, I would say, is there anything over the last seven days in my mind, is there anything that I've seen, a pattern that I've seen with Brian that I need to deal with today? Um, because what I found is if you don't at least check that, pick that box off and ask that question mentally to yourself, then you're going to wait three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, and you're going to have a long tally, and then you're going to say words like always and never, and then you're going to crush their spirit. And so relational oversight meeting, I think that's important where you, where you have the tough conversations, the candid conversations. The other thing is, we have a little a little deal that we do, like with Central and Campus, that we've agreed upon together as a group, is that when a site visit happens, when Central is at campuses, we, and I'll, I may mess some of these up, but uh, we always encourage or always celebrate, right? That's one of the things that they do. They know Central, when you're there, you always celebrate. Uh, number two, you uh, coach when asked. If someone from the campus asks you, hey, can you put fresh eyes on this? We're trying this new thing. I'd love to get some feedback from you. So coach them when asked. But the third one is is uh, correct when necessary hmm. or confront when necessary. And that would relate less to, uh, uh, I should say like this, that would relate to something that's a value, that's a DNA to us. And if, it, if that is like being messed up or not being executed properly or it needs to be dealt with and you just have to have that conversation. And, and I think that 
little small systems that you can put in place like that are really important. And you just got to suck it up, have the courage, confront current reality, and remind the person you're talking to uh, and even the person that's saying it that the, the reason why we're having this conversation is that we are relentless about accomplishing the vision that God has given us uh, and the mission that he's given us. And so we'll just have these tough conversations. We'll hug at the end of it, and then we'll walk out better because of it. And so you just got to have them. That is so, so good. <laughs> and and contrary, I think, to what most people are comfortable doing. Uh, yeah. It's hard. I'm not confrontational. I tell people all the time, they say, so are you a confrontational person? And I say, man, I'm not confrontational unless you confront me. <laughs> but I, I'm not. But here's the thing is I think that naturally I'm a peacemaker, harmony, the whole thing. Like I want everybody to just like me and get along and, the, you know, woo is in my top five. And so I'm like, it's like I love for people to like me. But what I know is, is that, um, that man, it's not going to be for your benefit if we, don't, if we just ignore this and it's not going to be the benefit of the organization or the vision that God's given us. And so we just got to just, we just got to talk about it. Let's just talk about it. It's the elephant in the room. Let's deal with this thing. Let's get it over with. And, uh, and let's, let's move forward. And what I found is that a lot of times, like I even had a, a really hard conversation with a guy last night and, and I asked him, I said, man, why haven't we talked about this until this point? Why is this just coming up? And, and what he said to me was this, he said, I just didn't want to have this conversation because I knew it would be tough. And he said, and I was afraid that, that this would put a wedge between us. And now this wasn't ministry related. This is just life related. And, and here's what I, I pointed out to the guy. I said, you know, now that we're having this conversation, do you sense, because of how authentic and real and tough it is, do you sense how God's even make, bringing our hearts closer to each other relationally? And he said, absolutely. And I said, so what the enemy was telling you is don't have the conversation because it's going to drive you apart, when actually just the opposite was true that if we're willing to let our guard down and have the tough conversation, God can actually use it to bring us closer together and make us more of a team. And so I think that's where the enemy gets teams. That's where he gets relationships. He thinks, uh, let's just not talk about it, and it's going to go away. It never goes away. Uh, and that's the, the actual thing that you're avoiding is actually what God can actually use to bring you closer together, to unite your team even more. Man, that's so good. <laughs> so, so good. Um, well, hey, we've talked a lot about uh, what you do at Gateway, uh, what you did at, at Healing Place. Healing Place was 12 campuses. Gateway is five campuses. You talked about how you guys are a super uh, wealthy church in, in, in comparison. Um, what would you say to the, to the youth pastor, the student pastor, or really any pastor out there listening right now that says, you know, this all sounds great, but I don't I'm not living in a world that big. My church is only 100 people. My youth group is only 50 kids. What, what would you say with, kind of in the context, I know we've covered a lot of ground here, but what would you say to that youth pastor out there that's just thinking, does, does the dashboard apply to me? Does the way you're doing small groups apply to me? What would you say to that person? Yeah, I mean, I, first thing I tell them is, uh, don't focus too much on their social media account because <laughs> they're going to look at the size of other churches and what they're doing and they just kind of want to die, you know. Uh, and, and, and so I, I think that they just need to just keep proper perspective that if they have 50 kids, be the best pastor of those 50 kids, steward the opportunity well, um, do your best to transfer the DNA of Christ and the DNA of your church to those students, uh, and, and be a student of other ministries. Like, 
I, I tell people all the time, I steal so many people's ideas. I steal ideas. I got a guy down the street that has 400 kids in his youth ministry, which is a lot smaller than ours. But I still, I, I am taking all of his ideas, mm-hmm. and I'm, I, and because they're better than ours. There's a lot of areas that he's just doing things better than us. And I, and I just always keep the posture of, I'm not an expert, I'm a student. I want to stay a student of students, and a student of student ministry, and a student of other churches. And so what I would tell that, that guy, that youth pastor is, don't compare yourself to other people, but be a student of other ministries. Glean from them, learn from them, and, um, and take risks, try things. And when you try things, give them time to work. Work them until they either work or until you know for sure this doesn't work. A lot of guys, the mistakes they make is they're like, oh, man, look at what Church of the Highlands is doing. or Look at what New Spring is doing. We're going to do this. And it doesn't fit their culture. It doesn't fit the vision of their house. Uh, and they don't, even, they don't have the resources to do it, but they try it. And then they try it for two months, and then it doesn't work. And then they go and they try something else from somebody else. So I would just say learn from other people. Be a student. Let things sit for a lot while and work it until it works or until you know for sure this doesn't work. And, uh, and I think, I think another thing that I would just say to those guys is that, you know, God's not going to hold you responsible for, for anybody else's ministry other than the opportunity to put right in front of you. And so if it is 50 kids, if it is a hundred kids, man, you just need to be faithful with that right there. And the goal is not for you to, to pack out a room. That's not the goal. The goal is Colossians chapter one, where he says, to this end I labor. And what is it? The end is that I may present everyone or every student, I should say, mature in Christ. That's the goal. And so that youth pastor, you just need to figure out how can I, within my context, in a way that reflects the culture of our church, the vision of our pastor, how can I learn from other churches and implement systems and structure um, in a way that I can present every student mature in Christ? That's the goal. The goal is not some event with massive amounts of kids. That's not the goal. The goal is presenting every student mature in Christ. So hopefully that makes sense. (laughs) Dropping gold here, man. This has been an incredible conversation so far. Uh, and to kind of kind of wrap this portion of the the interview up, we're going to move on to a, a little segment where we want to get to know you just a little bit better. Um, a little segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Fire, Jason. I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you. No time to think. You just have to respond right off the top of the dome. So uh, let's jump right in. Let's go for it here. Uh, favorite movie. Oh man, favorite movie? Shoot, <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, you, you, you don't watch movies. You just read your Bible all the time, right? No, I <laughs> watch so many. I just can't. I love Shawshank Redemption. That's a really good one. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I even love. I, I was when I was really young. I loved Scarface, but you know, now that I'm a pastor, I probably shouldn't love that one anymore. <laughs> so I really, I really do like. Uh, I, I like Shawshank Redemption. It's got a cool storyline. Very, very good movie. Uh, favorite band or musical artist? Favorite band or musical artist? I would say my favorite band is, it still may be Mumford & Sons because I went to Red Rocks when they performed there and it just kind of marked me. Okay, favorite song of all time? Favorite song? of all time. My goodness, that is a hard question. That's like, how do you even answer a question like that? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. Can I pass on that one? That one's so hard. <laughs> I feel so torn here. I'm like, 
In my mind, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm very eclectic. I'm popping through like hip hop albums right now. Yeah. And, and everything. And so it's, Let's it's, expand it's it a little hard. bit. Let's expand it a little bit. Give us your top three. My top three bands and artists? Uh, songs. Top three songs. Okay. I, I think uh, top songs, number one would be, oh my gosh, you stumped me. Oh, I got it. I know one. We'll go way, way far back. I really love um, Otis Redding, These Arms of Mine. Oh, that's... that's a really good song. Mm. Old school Motown, These Arms of Mine. That's a beautiful song. Yes. Another song is Edge of Desire by John Mayer. And I don't know if that's even appropriate to say, but I really like Edge of Desire. <laughs> My wife and I really like that song. What? What are we talking about? Okay. <laughs> uh, and, then, uh, and then next, I really... I really think that, um, gosh, I can't name any of the songs, but uh, I like a lot of the old school, notorious B.I.G. stuff. Obviously, the Christian, I mean, the the, uh, the, uh, the edited, what's it called, version, the clean version. Yes. I, I Respect I level is just going through the roof right now. Uh, uh, notorious B.I.G. is like, yeah. You can't go wrong there. Okay, uh, favorite book of all time, outside the Bible, favorite book of all time. Yeah, you know, like me and uh, me and a buddy were talking about this the other day. I, I would say um, Philip Yancey, "What's So Amazing About Grace," mm. it's probably be my favorite because of the impact that it had in my in my own life. Very cool. Relates to grace. Very very cool. Uh, favorite quote. Favorite quote. Um, I would say right now, my favorite quote was. Um, by the late um, Billy Hornsby, uh, the founder of Association of Related Churches. When he was on his deathbed, dying of cancer, someone asked him, they said, Billy, um, man, you've done so many great things with your life. Did you plan this? Like, did you ever see this coming, that you would be such a great leader? And, and his response was so amazing. He said, I never set out to be great. I simply set out to make others great. Wow. And it just, it just really marked my heart. Um, I think in a culture and a generation where we so want to be great, uh, what a paradigm shift to say, you know, I, I, it's not only about me being great, but me about, not about setting other people up so that they can be great. So that, that really marked me. I feel like this next one just pales in comparison, no matter what you say, to what you just said. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite burger? <laughs> my favorite burger? Yes. Prob- probably... Uh, umami burger. I go get a like I forget the exact one. Pretty much any burger at Umami in uh, in LA. Four hour in San Francisco. Go to any of the Umami burgers. Amazing. Incredible, Jason. If folks want to get in touch with you, uh, what is the best way uh, to get in touch with you? Yeah, I think uh, obviously any of the social media stuff. Jason C. Laird. J S O N C L A I R D. Jason C. Laird. All my social media stuff is that. And then the other way is you can shoot me an email at jason.laird at gatewaystaff.com. Incredible. Man, Jason, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Jason, if you're listening, thanks again for joining us uh, and chatting with us today. 
uh, incredible talk. And folks, we're actually doing the bonus episode again. We talked to Jason about his time management, how he manages his time, structures his week, as well as how he stays refreshed. Hey, we're thinking about um, maybe doing this with most of our interviews moving forward because time management is such an important topic. And hey, if you if you do like it, if you like us releasing a bonus episode, definitely let us know uh, either on you know Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram, creative underscore sheep, or drop Jared an email, jared at creativesheep.org. Yeah, or you can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, we'd appreciate it. it. It helps us get this in front of more people. Um, but uh, you can join the Creative Sheep crew. Uh, by doing so. You can subscribe, yeah. Hey, also, this uh, this episode uh, of the Creative Sheep Podcast is brought to you by creativesheep.org. And that is our website. In case you've never checked it out, you can go to your World Wide Web. Just type in that address. It'll take you right to our site. And uh, then we got uh, premium media for the church. We got that on our website. And especially right now, Christmas is right around the corner, Jared. Do you know what you're doing at your church for Christmas? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't... I don't have a church, but if well, I did... Well, you attend church. You attend church. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're just yeah. not the pastor of a church. Exactly. I know there is a lot of... Church is a huge time for... Uh... <laughs> church is a huge time for Christmas, <laughs> Christmas of course. is a gigantic time for the church because yeah. uh, a lot of people go to church on Christmas that wouldn't typically go. Of course. Just because it's a thing to do, you right. know? And it's a great opportunity to capitalize on that. And so we have a lot of stuff um, that, uh, man, it's just really cool... Uh, elements for your Christmas service that connect. Absolutely. That, uh, they're effective. So go yeah. ahead and check that out. We've got some intros for you, some countdowns and things, not just normal Christmassy countdowns, but yeah, some fun, boring. interactive, and things that'll get your audience uh, engaged before you even set foot on the stage, um, as well as some content pieces to help set you up, whether right before the message, altar call, that kind of thing. Um, so go check it out, creativesheep.org. Uh, we appreciate you all joining us today, and we'll see you uh, on the bonus episode with Jason Laird. Yeah.